Welcome to She Critiques, where we discuss the new, the old, all things cinema. I'm Mercedes, television producer, certified reviewer, and all-around movie buff. So without further ado, let's get into this week's episode. On this week's episode of the She Critiques podcast, we are jam-packed. I have two segments with guests that you are really going to enjoy. We are talking all things sports and cinema. For my classic films, we'll be talking Remember the Titans and Coach Carter. And for my Chic of the Week, I'm talking to the creators behind the new Disney Plus film, Safety. For my first guest, I'm joined by former college athlete, author, and speaker, Twani Beckham. Twani is from Louisville, Kentucky, and at an early age, he found sports as a passion and used it to navigate his way to success. Twani has earned a basketball scholarship to Mississippi State University, then later transferred to the University of Kentucky. He was a member of the Southeastern Conference All-Academic Team and was a member of its 2012 National Championship Team. After graduation, Twani has now published three books, Full Court Press, Conquering Adversity Under Pressure, Believe in Your Dreams, a children's book, and Pressure. All of Twani's books can be found at twanybeckham.com and on Amazon. She Critiques listeners, please welcome Twani Beckham to the She Critiques podcast. Oh, but don't forget, right after I'm talking to the creators of Disney's new film, Safety. Can you hear me now? I can't hear you now. How are you? Hey, right, what's up, girl? I'm pretty good. I can't complain. How you doing? I'm good. I'm good. It looks like it's sunny wherever you are. It looks sunny, not nighttime. Oh, no. I just got the little light. I got the little light flashing on me. So you, oh, okay. You can't prepare with your light. I Because yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's definitely um, nighttime outside, but I just got the little light popping so you, you know you can, so you can see me. You got your uh your ring light popping. I right, listen. I ain't yeah, mad. I got the ring light popping, so you can see it. <laughs> <laughs> I got my ring light popping too. So um, okay. I've already introduced the people to you. So welcome to the Shoe Critiques podcast. I so appreciate you joining and being a part. Um, I follow you on IG, so I know a little bit of your story and a little bit of uh, what you can bring to this conversation. So um, in short, I watched Safety. I got a screener for Safety. Um, first of all, I'm sorry. How are you doing in this pandemic, Twani? How are you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. I've just been, uh, just, you know, kind of taking it easy. Um, you know, I have a sick mother that, um, I've been having to take care of. So I've been just taking it easy, staying in, um, taking care of her, just staying positive, writing, writing another book, actually a book for her. So that's all I've been doing. I'm just making sure that I'm, uh, staying motivated to people that I, that I mess with, my friends, my family. And uh, just staying low key. Keep using the time wisely, building. Yeah, for sure. That's all we can do at the really at this point. If you're gonna be in the house, you might as well build something. You might as well um, build something, right? Exactly. So okay, so um, I saw safety, and it's briefly about uh, I don't know if you know the story of Ray McAlderby, but he was a Clemson football player. Um, his mother was on drugs. So he took custody of his younger brother, but he was still in school. So he was sneaking his younger brother on campus and he was living with him in the dorms on campus. So long story short, you know, the organization found out the coach's wives were helping to bring the brother back to school and giving him food. So the NCAA got involved because, you know, he can't take any um, donation. Any, uh, extra benefits. Exactly. So he challenged yeah. NCAA to say this was like insinuating circumstances. So they made a whole Disney movie about it, 
we sat down with him and the director and he gave us a little bit of his experience as a student athlete. And I'm making a full episode of this about sports and cinema. And I figure, I said, I'm using my network. I'm trying to be something <laughs> I have, you know. So out and you said you do it. So I'm so happy you're here. That's the that's the primary focus. That's so dope. yeah, I look forward to um I look forward to kind of watching that. That sounds uh, pretty interesting. That really yeah. check it out, check it out. So from your own experience, um as a student athlete. Now you went to University of Kentucky and Mississippi State. Yeah, I went to Mississippi State for two years, two and a half years, actually. And then I transferred to Kentucky the, the last two years of my career. And even before, I guess, college and high school, um, I guess there were promises. You had scholarships to go there, right? So mm-hmm. you were kind of promised already. You knew what the future was happening after high school. Well, kind of, but but not really. Um, in high school, I uh, kind of had an interesting career. You know, I was one of the better players in my state. I always ranked one or two from the time I was been in the eighth, uh, sixth grade. But um, I didn't have the grades to, to go to college um, after high school. So I had to go to prep school and completely rebuild myself, rebuild who I was. And it was dope for me because a lot of people, a lot of recruiters on the Northeast got to see me. They didn't have a chance to see me when I was playing ball in Kentucky. So my recruitment got bigger. Mm. It was kind of a blessing in disguise for me. You know, I didn't get to go to college right out of high school, but I was also able to expand, um, you know, my, my notoriety once I went to prep school and all the bigger schools started to, to recruit me because they had a chance to see me. And I know you, your books talk about the pressures. Um, are you, The pressure that you're talking about, is it before school or during school? I'm talking no, about so, so pressure um, I wrote was, was a lot of, I kind of touch on some several things I went through growing up as a kid and through my high school and college career. Um, but it was a lot of just, um, you know, kind of that after college life that, you know, I had to reinvent myself, uh, especially when basketball didn't work out for me. Um, you know, I got injured, back surgery. When I was in Mississippi State, I had double hip surgery. So in 2013, when I graduated from college, it was like, who am I, who am I now? What am I going to, how am I going to contribute to society and make myself happy when basketball wasn't going to be a part of my life no more? So it's kind of like what I speak about impression also, just a lot of, things that I've been through in my life, not only myself, but with my family, friends, people that I'm close with. Now, I allowed other people to share their story in my book. And, uh, you know, I like, I don't like to toot my own horn, but I think I like, I got one of the best books in the country. No, we toot over here, okay? Toot toot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we toot over here. We don't I'm sorry, go ahead. No, nah, I put a lot of, a lot of time and a lot of, a lot of effort and energy into, into pressure. And I try to make it related before. If you're a guy, you're a woman, um, you're a little kid, you're an adult, and somewhere in my book, you will be able to relate, be inspired. Um, how would you say, I mean, as far as um, you feeling like you had to reinvent yourself? Because a lot of athletes get stuck in that whole, um, I'm only an athlete, or all I know is basketball. Because we do tell a lot of young kids, you know, be an entertainer or a pro athlete. Yeah. That's the way out. That's the only way to um, success. So... In reinventing yourself, did you know you had other talents? No, and um, that's a good question because now, like when I go, when I'm the keynote speaker at different events now, and it's, that's one thing I always bring up, especially when there's kids in the, in, in the room, it is to try to discover, you know, um, if you got other talents while you're coming up, playing a game of basketball, playing a game of football, whatever sport it is that you play, 
um, try to discover the other talents that you may have because I didn't really know that I was this passionate about writing or this passionate about helping people or this passionate about uh, you know being uh, a businessman or or having all these different business ideas that I have. I didn't I didn't tap into the reality until it was time for, until my back was against the wall. Mm-hmm. You know I just um you know it, but it and I like to tell people all the time. A lot of people don't get the opportunity second opportunities that I was I've been able to get. You know what I mean? Um, some people they get stuck in that hole and they can't get out. Mm-hmm. You know, especially when your your basketball career is done. And luckily for me, you know, I was only 20, 24 when my career was over with, so I was still fairly young. But those guys who play until their mid thirties and then they're done in the ball side bouncing and those guys are lost and I and I've seen it on a lot of the different occasions. So I like to tell kids, especially when the ones in the middle school, high school, is don't put all your eggs into basketball and football because the the percentages aren't in your favor. So we're going to bring this back in because this is the She Critiques podcast and we talk film here, okay? But I, I love getting a little bit of your story. So what would you say are your favorite sports films? I, I told you mine are definitely Coach Carter and Remember the Titans, and we're going to talk about yeah. that. What are some of your favorite sports films? Um, my two that come to mind um, are Blindside. Okay. The story by Michael Ward and um, Sebastian Telfair Through the Fire. What's it called? Sebastian Telfair Through the Fire. Oh, I haven't heard of this one. Okay. So, so Sebastian Telfair Tell, um, was, I think, the little cousin of Stephon Marbury. He was from Coney Island, New York. And um, when I was in high school, my senior high school, they did a documentary. He was from New York, and he decided to skip college and go to the NBA. But he was one of the probably the best players to ever come out of New York, and they did a documentary on him. And it was just amazing. So we watched it before every one of my high school games my senior season. And my senior season in high school, we lost one game, went to two games, but to went to only one team. So, uh, that one team beat us twice. But mm-hmm. it was it was a it was like a like a jelly movie. We got together, and we got hyped. You know what I mean? And it was one of those movies that I think if you watched it, it, it would get you excited and inspired as well. Inspired as well. And you you are NCAA champion as well, right? So you know how hard it is as far as dealing with the NCAA or challenging their rules and regulations. So you could speak a little bit to that as far as like this guy in safety really went to them and said, listen, this is a different situation and I need y'all to just bend the rules a little bit. Like, is that a no-no or is that like a, is that a regular thing that players will actually challenge the NCAA? Well, I don't know how much communication that a player specifically has with the NCAA. Typically, you know, when you at a university like Kentucky or Mississippi State like I was, or even some, some smaller Division One schools, you have a compliance team. You know, you have your coaches that if anything happens, that you go to them and speak to them, and then they are that um, gatekeeper to, to the NCAA. Okay. So I haven't personally – I haven't never personally had or know somebody that has specifically went to the NCAA themselves. But but it's all, but um, it's, 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 it's tough because it's like as an athlete, you can't do anything. The NCAA, NCAA is watching everything. And when I was in college, uh, we had an all basketball dorm, and like my mom, like we couldn't have females coming in our dorm. So my mom or little cousin or sisters couldn't even come in our dorm room. It was like breaking NCAA rules. So it was like so many, you know, so many different. Right. I can go on. I can go on and on and on and on about the things that we could not do as athletes. Yeah. Because it's. Um, so let's dive into Remember the Titans a little bit. So Remember the Titans was released in 2000. It stars Denzel Washington. Wood Harris, Ryan Hurst, Will Patton, and many more budding stars. Um, it takes place from 1971, where a high school football team with everything 
in the Alexandria of Virginia, Alexandria, Virginia. But when the local school board was forced to integrate all, an all black school with an all white school, they found very uh, confrontational extenuating circumstances. So when it comes to black and white players coexisting, because what I really like about uh, Remember the Titans is I think that football or even any sports, sports in general kind of transcends race in a way. Mm -hmm. Like where you have music, I think sports does the same thing where like people just kind of eventually you just see each other as a teammate or another brother um, kind of out to battle or out to war together. So what has your experience been like as far as relating to other teammates that aren't from the same background? So I, um, it's interesting, my, you know, kind of my background because I'm from, you know, an impoverished community, but the way the busing system is um, where I grew up is they bust us to the, the predominantly white schools. Um, so in the sixth grade, you know, I went to a white school um, and uh, like just like the, the better basketball players with the black, with the black kids from my community. And also the same in high school. Okay. And at first, you know, and at first, you, you know, you could just tell that there was like a, a distinct difference of personalities. Um, you know, them looking at us a certain way because we come from downtown. But like you said, when we all on the court and we were all teammates, it was like all that stuff went out the window. You know, some of my uh, best friends today uh, are from that teammates from that team, and they're white. Mm -hmm. So you know, we put all of those. Um, you know, issues to the side of about where we come from and where they come from. And when we were on that court, it was all about one goal and it was all about one team. And yeah. um, that's one thing that I do love about, you know, some of the friends that I had in high school because we we have those, especially what, uh, what was going on, you know, this summer with all the, you know, the, the social injustice and everything. We had those conversations um, with those teammates who are white and, you know, they were open to helping us um, uh -huh. get our voices out there and open to hearing how we actually thought about what was going on. I was going to say, I mean, because those sound like tough conversations to have anyway, but then, because mm -hmm. I feel like definitely in the climate that we're in, like we've met, we, you've seen a lot of people, whether they post something or don't post something, and you're like, wait a minute, what, what side of the fence you standing on? What side of the fence you on, yeah. <laughs> so have you had those conversations too, where you're like, hey. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah I, uh, I I challenge some of my friends from my high school team, because uh, some of my friends aren't social media um I was, I'm not going to say personalities, but they don't put their thoughts and stuff on social media. And so, you know, I challenged one of my friends. I'm like, man, so what's, I know what side of the fence you're on, but somebody else might not know. So, you know, you might want to say something, say Black Lives Matter. You might want to say something. But then he was like, you know, you know, and people who know me know everything that I help try to help do behind the scenes. You know, I, I think it's deeper than posting because a lot of people who are posting aren't actually, you know, adding any, you know, sequential positive you know anything to the cause so it was, those are kind of tough conversations because it, then the time i wasn't trying to hear that you know i wasn't here no i need to know you what you're saying you need, to, you need to post yeah you gotta pick a side you need to post you gotta pick a side yeah you got you gotta pick a side man and um you know it's unfortunate um where our, our world is and where it was this summer um and many years before that but you know the, the good out of it is a lot of people are exposed now and yeah. you know, we yeah, we know who, who we those know where they are. right. We know yeah, where they right. Where they said, I don't know, because I I mean, even in my profession, it's kind of like I've worked with some people, and they're from LA and all that, and it's like, oh, well, you haven't, and you think LA can be pretty liberal, 
but they haven't chosen a side, or at least they haven't publicly chosen a side. So I don't know. I don't fool with that. But um, <laughs> I'm going to show you one of my favorite scenes from Remember the Titans really quick. Hey, 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 I like them better with the long hair, bro. Remind me of Bertier's mama. Oh! How'd you know what Bertier's mama looks like? Brother, don't you know me and Bertier's mama went out on the town last night, bro? Listen now, Blue. Why you talking about Bertier's mama like that? See, now you're making me angry, man. Look like I ain't gonna be able to take your mama to the prom. <laughs> what you laughing at, Jerry Buck? You need to tell your mama to shave them old legs of hers, bruh. And Julius, when she's done, maybe your mama can borrow the razor and shave that old nasty back of hers, bruh. I say that all to say, take me in the locker room for a second. Okay? Because clearly they cutting up. They cutting up, whether they black, white, whatever, they cracking jokes. Um, what does the locker room chat sound like, Swanee? What y'all talk about? <laughs> Man, the locker room chat is, is, is stay whatever we talk about in the locker room, it stays in the locker room. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? That's uh that's kind of gives the code to, to to speak about um the specifics. Uh -huh. But we talk about the specifics. But we talk about everything. I mean we talk about, you know, at the practice we sit there, we'll be on our phones, you know, we talking about life, we talking about family, we talking about practice, we talking about the game, we talking about, you know, who we dating, who who's talking to who. Um, talk. Uh -huh, I know. Uh -huh. Yeah, locker room. Yeah, we talk. Yeah, we literally talk about everything. Yeah, everything. Everything under the sun. Like everything under the sun. Mm -hmm. Do you have um, anything that you can think of that comes to mind that you like about Remember the Titans? Um, I think uh, one of my favorite scenes is when they were. Uh, I think they were coming. I think they were coming out of the locker room and they were all doing. They were doing like the the rumbling. Um, the rumbling thing and it, I think it was like one of the first times as a team that they were together yeah and everybody in the in the stands and even on the the opposing team looked down they were like damn like they that like they together now they ready to go right. and I think that's when you know I think it was one of my favorite scenes because as you can see the camaraderie the, the togetherness all the issues that they had um before that day or before that game were put to the side and they they realized that all right, it was time Denzel Washington had them believe, and it was time to, to to go win a championship as one whole unit. So that's one of my one of my favorite scenes. Um, I'm gonna say, as far as life takeaways, I think that um, really what I got from that film is that you know that sports and music because they did they played a lot of music in that film too. They bonded over music in the locker room, or like you were saying, coming out. I think that film shows like that you know there's bigger things in this world than just race and how you can come together for a common goal. So that's what I'm gonna say is like a life takeaway from that film. So Coach Carter came out in 2005. Um, it's the story of Ken Carter. It stars Samuel L. Jackson as he returns to his old high school in Richmond, California to get the basketball team into shape. With tough rules and academic discipline, he succeeds in setting the players on a winning streak. But when their grades start to suffer, Carter locks them out of the gym and shuts down the championship season. When he is criticized by the players and their parents, he sticks to his guns, determined that they should excel in class as well as on court. So when it comes to Coach Carter, this is, I think, the pressure of being a student athlete because you have to keep your grades Great, at a certain yeah. level um, that's parallel to how you're performing on the court. Definitely, yeah. So how are you as a student athlete? <laughs> 
and and I, I love coach I love coach Carter um you know for the specific reason that you just mentioned like now I'm a huge proponent of education huge proponent of education I think I put some on my Twitter account maybe a couple weeks ago and said uh, I said that you know for you high school coaches if you're if you're you should have uh some type of stipulations around the kids and the grades because some kids are playing with point fives and point sixes and you're setting these kids up for failure. Yeah. And you know, Coach Carter, like you said, he he locked the gyms and he took away the privilege of them playing basketball until they got the grades up. Um, but me as a student athlete, you know, high school, I didn't apply myself um, at all. And so I showed I showed up to class, but I was you know I was I was the man in high school, so <laughs> you ain't have to. It wasn't, yeah. I, I, I didn't have to, and I'm just being honest. Um, you know, I, I tried. I mean, I got to class and I did what I had to do just to get by. Nobody really pushed me in the classroom. And then when I got to college, and um, I realized, like, damn, I started to realize that I was really smarter than like what I thought I was. Uh, like, almost like, almost like nerd, like. And um, you know, I was able to have a 4.0 um, several semesters in college. Um, I graduated with 3.7. I just fell in love with with learning information. Um, so when I got to college, I felt like to say some people don't get that opportunity to make it to college where they can turn it around. So you yeah. know, my advice to my advice to people is, you know, if you're talking to young people, tell them to start early, so you don't have to play catch up. I was just my back, my basketball, my ability allowed me to play catch up. What if you don't have those abilities or that opportunity, and you can't play catch up? And I think it's sad that I feel like we put a lot of emphasis on, especially black athletes. It's like that school doesn't necessarily matter or that, you know, they pass them without even challenging them each grade, you know, or nobody's there to really like buckle them down and like say, this is important. Like this is just as important as what you're doing on the court or on the field. So um, I don't know who has failed them. I don't know if that's the school system. I don't know if that's at home, but. I think a lot of it, a lot of it's, um, you know, parents, it's a lot of pressure that your parents put on you at a young age. I know I, I can relate to that. Um, you know, my mom wasn't, my mom's not a very educated woman, um, you know, but her, you know, her, she pushed herself. She, she was very disciplined, but she pushed us to, to work hard at what we want, whatever it is we wanted to be. She mentioned that we worked hard at it, but not necessarily as much in the classroom because it wasn't her thing. You know what I mean? Um, and so a lot of times I think it starts at home. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times we like, a lot of times we like to blame the school systems. We like to blame what we're not learning, learning in school. A lot of times the parents aren't teaching us that stuff as well. So I think both need to be held you know accountable yeah I agree I agree I think especially with coach Carter in particular they show a lot of um different a lot of different avenues that these kids could have took like you got the one guy who was you know he was gang affiliated you did have somebody who you know their father a lot of fathers weren't present um you know, selling drugs, whatever the case may be, like there's a lot of distractions. And sometimes parents even think that, you know, if I put my kids in a sport, they're not going to be distracted. They're going to be focused, but that's not the truth for a lot of inner city kids. They still get the same amount of distractions. Go ahead and speak to it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's, I mean, you know, that's not the truth. Um, you know, you get the same, like you said, you get the same amount of distractions. I've been playing sports since I was four in little leagues, or in, but it's just the same drug dealers that are around you're you're surrounded by the same friends in the neighborhood that don't play sports that just come in and hang out so you easily you can be easily pulled into that into that lifestyle so but if you're not on top of it as a parent then you can easily very easily lose your kid yeah um my actual favorite scene in coach carter is when they get caught partying at the white girl's house 
Um, and <laughs> I'm, I'm picturing it as I'm saying it, that's why. But when they were on the bus and Coach Carter said, um, you know, and I find you on top of daddy's little girl. And he was like, no, nah, actually, coach, I was on the bottom. She was on top. <laughs> <laughs> she was on top. <laughs> That's my favorite scene from that movie. But I'm not going to play that for the podcast. I'm going to play this one for the podcast. <laughs> Our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness, that most frightens us. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We were all meant to shine as children do. It's not just in some of us, it's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same as we are liberated from our own fear. Our presence automatically liberates others. So... Wasn't we just talking about, don't be out here dimming your lights. You cannot be out here dimming your light. It's so true, though. Like, I mean, and I thought about this, too, like, right before we got on. I'm like, wait, don't they do that speech of, like, you know, our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Because I don't know where you are in life, but where I am right now, it's like, you can't be afraid to, your spirit has to live out you. Like, it has to be radiated. You have to show who you are um that's how we're made in God's image you know what I'm saying so I think that's where you get to your path of purpose and passion and all that good stuff but we are so afraid to live out loud mm -hmm. how did you get to live it out loud uh mine was uh <laughs> mine was actually by default you know I'm a I grew up a, a real um quiet kid I was very loud with my, my play on the court but off the court, I was real kind of quiet. And a lot of people like to say I was arrogant as a kid. You know what I mean? I was getting involved. I would be like trust and talk to a lot of people. This is how I was raised. Um, but when I uh, had surgery on my hips and then on my back and knew my career was over, um, like I said, I didn't know I was going to be a speaker. I didn't know I was going to be a writer. I didn't know I was going to be a creative. I didn't know I was going to be doing this or doing that. Um, so it was kind of, it kind of happened by fault. So I just started doing it. I wrote my first book and then I started speaking. I started walking in my truths, I started, um, you know, facing, facing reality and facing people, you know, and then I didn't look at my situation as an embarrassment. You know, it was at first, and that's why I went through depression and all that type of stuff, because I didn't make it. And so I felt like a lot, I let a lot of people down, but then I, in turn, looked at my situation and said, how can I help somebody? Um, there are millions of kids out there who could walk in my shoes when they get hurt or even go to college and not make it. So how can I use my story and use my voice um, to be an example? And so several times, you know, so I started speaking, I started out like small groups, um, you know, started out going to, to school, different schools and different groups. And then in turn, being keynote, being asked to come do keynote speaking. And then I just look back like, wow, I used to be a quiet person. I used to be a quiet kid. Right. But I, can be, I, can, I can get in front of an entire room and, and demand the room. So, and a lot of people, you know, they, they give me, um, you know, comments or they write me on social media and say, thank you for you being who you are. And so to me, when you talk about letting your light outshine you, I'm just being who I am. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to be nobody. I'm not trying to be nobody else. I'm not, I don't compare my life to nobody else's life. Um, you know, I've, I've walked the life for a reason. I walked the life for a reason. I got hurt for a reason. I didn't make it for a reason. I'm talking to you for a reason. You know, when you get off this call, hopefully I was able to inspire you or your listeners to do something or to, to chase their dreams or to, to outshine their life. 
You right. know what I mean? So that's just, I just walk in my purpose. I just be who I am every single day. And I got the same personality every day, every day. You know, a lot of people, um, you know, their personality switch depending on the day or what they got, what they're going through. You will never know if I'm going through something. You'll know if I'm struggling, you'll never know if I'm struggling with something because I'm gonna give you the same person, the same personality every single day. Yeah, you were talking about also like commanding a room, like being able to walk in a room and command the room. Um, and recognizing that that can be powerful. Mm-hmm. Were you ever scared of that power though? Uh when I first started, when I first started speaking, because I you know, when you first start out, you start, it's new, it's new to you. It's new to you. So it's like you, you I'm trying a completely different thing I'm, I'm walking a completely different life so I first started you know I was kind of nervous about it but then as I realized why would I be nervous this is my story what yeah. do I, what do I got to be nervous about I'm telling my story I'm just being who I am you know it like the best you can. Yeah. Me, I don't want to cut you off but so did, oh, you good. Think, did you did you ever think that you then weren't inadequate that you were inadequate to to do what I was doing yeah uh no I never thought that um I just always had a little bit of anxiety because I'm a, um, I'm a, I won't ever, I wanted everybody to, to, to like what I had to say. And at first when I started out, I wanted, if it was a room full of people, 50 people, I wanted 50 people to leave like, man, that, that guy was an incredible speaker or his story resonated with me. Then when I realized, then I, when I was kind of shifting my mindset to, well, if I, I don't need all 50 people in this room to like me. If I just change one person's mind and change one person's heart, then I did my job. Yeah. Now that I, you know, I approach my, you know, my speaking is very different. I approach it in that way now. Yeah. I just thought about this too, as you were speaking, because, and, and I guess it ties into your story as well, um, that Coach Carter and Remember the Titans, I think both of their teams don't win at the end. I definitely know with Coach Carter, and I'm almost positive with Remember the Titans, that they don't win the big chip at the end. And for your story, you know, not being able to go the, you know, the full, uh, road that you wanted to go down, but you're still winning in life in a totally different path. I think of the Iverson syndrome too, because you know AI. That's you know what. That's a whole nother topic of conversation. But there's two things that I didn't add to the outline. Say it again. That's how you see the poster. Oh, listen, listen, because AI. We could okay. We could go there. So right. So AI. AI. AI was my life. That was my life. We could go there today. Um. I call it the Allen Iverson syndrome, right? Where we were talking about survivors of remorse earlier too. Cause I feel like Allen Iverson is, he could have been, he could have been, like he still is, you know, amazing. He was God. Go ahead. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I don't want to talk junk. If this your boy, I know I'm not talking junk. I love AI. I grew up on AI. I love him. But, and I'm not even huge on sports at all. I don't follow sports, but I just grew up in that era. And so I call it the Allen Iverson syndrome when you feel like you got to take all your boys with you. Like AI was the king of, I feel like he didn't reach his highest potential because he just had to have, he had to be down. He had to be down. Yeah. He used to rise almost. It's like he couldn't even get to where he was supposed to be because he was too busy trying to still be down with the homies. And mm-hmm. now I see him in Atlanta at Cheesecake Factory just chilling. And I'm like, you Oh, ah, they, so, you, so you literally just see him, he just be out just chilling about stuff like that? He'd be out just regular, so regular. And I, But I think he always wanted to be touchable. You know what I mean? Like, I think he wanted to stay grounded. So that's the life he created for himself, as opposed to reaching that God-like, I say lowercase g, of course, but that God-like yeah. potential that he could have really tapped into. So... Mm-hmm. 
Man, AI, that's all. Listen, go ahead. You got thoughts on AI? What do you think? Man, AI was the reason I played bad, the reason I picked up a basketball. You know, I had braids for cornrows for the majority of my life. Yeah. Um, I cut them. I cut them my senior year. Um, I got all my tattoos because of AI had tattoos. I used to wear the arm sleeve. Um, man, I had all the gear for yeah. Christmas. I wanted nothing but AI clothes and shoes, the Reeboks, the headbands. He was a He was a man, he was, he, Yeah, he was. Uh, he was life. He was life for me. I, I don't think I would be where I was in basketball if he wasn't for AI. Yeah. Okay, shout out to Mr. Allen Iverson. Shout out to Mr. Shout out to Mr. Iverson. Right. So okay. the the Hall of Famer. Yeah. I'm listen, I'm not knocking the brother. I I love AI. So <laughs> there's two things um that I did not add to the outline that I do want to touch on quickly that I thought about, you know, closer to this. So shut up and dribble. All right. This phrase, that shut up and dribble phrase that they threw out to LeBron when he was being very vocal about what was happening in the news and society. Um, and I forget the reporter's name, but she said pretty much shut up and dribble. Um, that notion that we put on athletes to like that your voice doesn't matter necessarily or that, um, yeah, your opinion doesn't count like you're here to play ball. Does that tie into that 40? Have you heard of like that 40 million dollar slave idea? Like they're getting paid all this money, but you're still, you work for the man kind of thing. Still, yeah. Yeah. Okay. So in your opinion, the shut up and dribble phrase, cause you're a speaker, you're an athlete mm -hmm. turned speaker. So you clearly have something to say and something to give. Um, what are your thoughts on that? Shut up and dribble. Oh, uh, I, I hate it. I hated that. <laughs> Just to be honest. I hated it. When I saw that, I hated that. And then, uh, so shout out to LeBron James for, for using his platform to, you know, to bring awareness to everything that he does, bring awareness to too. Um, but that's BS. Um, I think when you try to make athletes shut up and dribble, then, you, you know, you lose them. I think a lot of people got something to say. Everybody got stories. Everybody got something, a different perspective to bring to the table. And um, honestly, a lot of athletes um, are using their platforms the way I would use mine if I was in college is to, and I know, like, like you're taught, like you're taught, to as an athlete, you're taught to don't say you know, when you go through media training, don't say certain things, don't don't make yourself subject to to, to the media or uh, the outside world when you say certain things because people are gonna crucify you. And then I think I like that the athletes don't care no more. No, this is my social media, I'm gonna say what I wanna say. Mm -hmm. I yeah, I am I am playing for you, but at the same time you you don't control my thoughts. And I think sometimes a lot of athletes are still suppressed depending on what where school and what coach you play for. Yeah. Um, but I just, I'm so thankful that I see a lot of athletes speaking and using their platforms in the way that I would be using them if I was in, I was in uh, college or high school. Absolutely. Well, we're glad that you use your voice, Mr. Twani Beckham. Um, I said it earlier, and I'll say it again. Twani has three books out right now that you can find on twanibeckham.com or amazon.com. Oh, Amazon, yeah. Yes. And I got a fourth book coming uh, for my mother, sharing my mother's story called Superwoman. Okay. But it'd be out, it'd be out um, probably January or late January, early February. So how do you get inspired to write? Like you just whatever is around you, whatever you're going through. Yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm a man that's really really in touch with my feelings. Um, I ask a lot of questions. I, I kind of watch and, and pay attention to everything going around me, and that's just the way I I just kind of escape from the world and, and put my feelings on paper. Um, and my mom has is you know, the most important person in my life. I wouldn't be lying without her. Um, 
and I felt like, you know, to do something good for her um, was, you know, to kind of write her story. Uh, you know, it's not nothing, it's not been a very long book, but it's going to be, you know, her story in, in, in her voice. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I just love to write. You know, I, I think that, um, you know, eventually, you know, I want to get into, you know, writing movies, um, writing scripts and, and writing so much. I mean, I just, I'm a writer. I'm a, I'm, I just see things. I'm a visionary. I see things and I just put them down on, on paper. And I, I love writing. Yeah, and prayers to your mother. Prayers for Thank her. You. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Mr. Swanee Beckham, for joining the She Critiques podcast today. I hope you enjoyed that conversation with Twani Beckham. And now we're going to move right into my chic of the week, Safety, that is now playing on Disney+. Plus. I'm talking to the director, Reggie Hudlin, and the the star of the film. He's not the actor, but this is exactly who we're talking about. This movie is all about him. Ray Ray McRatheby. Hello, everyone. Mercedes here in Atlanta with She Critiques. Um, we know that student athletes are always under tremendous pressure to perform both personally and academically. And we see a little bit of how that's impacted Ray throughout the film. Ray, can you talk about how you handled the pressure of your circumstances at that time? And Mr. Hudlin, how did you structure the film to support showing those pressures, but still keeping it entertaining? Well, um, I was having normal college struggles as most kids. Um, but I guess, I mean, I was already already serious about education for the most part. Um, I graduated in three years, so like it was it was tough, but it wasn't nothing too crazy. I was just, I just stayed consistent with it, um, which more so with, I think is the most important part about it, just kind of staying consistent um, and doing what you gotta do to get it done um, as far as education. So, but for most student athletes, it's a balancing act. It's about time management more so than anything. As long as you take the necessary breaks to 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 from actually living the crazy life of a college student to doing, you gotta sit down and you gotta buckle up and do your work is um, I guess the advice I would give as far as student athletes are concerned. I mean, for me, understanding the stakes were really important uh, for the movie to work. So, uh, you know, I wanted to make a couple of things very clear that uh, the demands of, you know, being a student athlete. I mean, the fact is the athletics part is a full-time job and the student part is a full-time job. I love that Ray just said, well, you know, I graduated three years and not that deep. <laughs> I'm like, I can't imagine completing my college education in three years. I mean, that's just a testimony to who he is as a man. Uh, and I did. I wasn't playing D1, D5, D anything football. <laughs> so, you know, he's just a, an incredible high achiever who thrives under pressure. So we needed to establish that pressure. The fact that he wasn't taking 12 credits like every other athlete. He wanted to take 16 credits because, hey, if you're going to give me a free education, he's going to get that education. Uh, so, you know, he was focused on education. He was fo focused on excellence on the field. And then when it came to it, he was focused on taking care of his family. That's an enormous amount of responsibility. Any one of those things uh, would take your whole mental, physical bandwidth. And he did all three. So, uh, I, I, you know, to, to respect his achievement, you had to understand the challenges. Absolutely. Thank you so much. Enjoy the film. Thank you. 
Thanks for tuning in to another episode of She Critiques. I'm your host, Mercedes. You can find me on all platforms at She Critiques. That's C-H-I-C-C-R-I-T-I-Q-U-E-S. And we look forward to the engagement and all the feedback. Take care.